Hey, greetings all. It is Thursday, May 20th, and I'm Samantha LaDuke, founder of LaDukeTrading.com. I do this Tuesday and Thursday macro to micro power hour, Tuesday with Jonathan Gibbons of VigTech.io. We talk market structure and dig into, oh, all kinds of market movement every single Tuesday at four at the close. And then on Thursday, I invite a guest captain interview to come in and drill down into a particular subject matter, which always macro to micro with the concept of we're going to get some actionable trade ideas out of this, but some really good feel for um, subject matter expertise. And this week is a special edition for crypto. Oh my gosh, we've had some really big events and this is a very timely talk. I want to remind folks a little housekeeping first and foremost that this is a podcast as well. So you can search for it by name, whether it be LaDuke Trading, Samantha LaDuke, my guest today, Scott Melker. Um, you can find it on Apple, Audible, Spotify, the usual suspects. I will also uh, share with you where this will be posted afterward. Let me just get this here. All right, so this will be on my um, newish YouTube channel, LaDuke Trading, and it will be down here under Macro to Micro Power Hour. So you can see it um, down in this playlist. So have at it in case there are any screens that you want to see. And without uh, too much trouble, I think you'll find it. Subscribe, like. I will do more of these the more feedback and value it adds. Um, I know folks like to download it after the fact because uh, sometimes the market is just too eventful. So right now I'm going to stop share and uh, introduce um, Wolf of All Streets, Scott Melker. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. You're right. What a timely, uh, timely conversation this will be. We got to do this. And I mean, first and foremost, you have been prolific, whether it's um, on Twitter, which you have a huge following, like 400,000. You have done multiple podcasts. You write a daily blog. Um, I follow it. It's great insight. So you are very prolific in posting, um, educating, uh, trading, this whole, the whole gamut. So you're the perfect guest to have on and, and kind of talk through what's going on in the Bitcoin and crypto universe. Um, and I also, but before we do that, I want to kind of get an idea, thank John, my client, John S., who um, recommended you and in fact, I think uh, pushed you to go into the, um, what is it, the, the, the clubhouse and the Twitter spaces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, you didn't have enough mediums of exchange right. for your ideas. You had to have right. one more. So John also said, interview Scott. He's got, he's, he's got the grip on and, and, uh, and a great following of respect. So thank you very much, John. Um, tell me first, before we dig into what's going on with the market, what gripped your attention? Like, when did you get into this whole crypto space? I'm a late bloomer, by the way. Um, so you, I think, are not really early adopter. So yeah, I how, think it's... How'd you get into yeah, it? I think late is relative. Uh, every single person who I know who has bought Bitcoin or gotten into crypto feels like they're late at whatever point it was in the stage. In fact, I talked to Charlie Lee, the founder of Litecoin today, and he said in 2011, he thought he was late because, you know, Bitcoin was $10 and he could have bought it for under a dollar when somebody told him about it the first time. But for me, you know, I had uh, always had an interest in markets. I went to the University of Pennsylvania in the late 90s where you really just, I mean, you know, you could not avoid uh, Wall Street recruiters and, and everyone was talking about the internet bubble and it was just a really exciting time, I think, in finance. Um, 
I chose to become a DJ and trade on the side, uh, which is what I did for about 20 years. You know, I had a lot oh, of free you time are the perfect the rogue retail trader then for crypto. You're the poster <laughs> uh, child. Yeah, okay. I took that Ivy League degree and started DJing at dingy clubs in Philadelphia. It, was, it made my parents really proud. Um, and then uh, late 2016, I was transitioning out of that DJ career. And like I said, I'd always been interested in trading and crypto was this land of mythical unicorn pumps of 100x. And I had heard about it. Uh, and it was pretty popular in the DJ community. For whatever reason, they sort of grappled onto it somewhat early, if you call 2016 early. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I timed it well. I jumped in at the right time with a little bit of capital. Uh, it, it, it absolutely went parabolic. And, uh, and then I had plenty of time to learn and study during the crypto winter for three years as we all lost everything that we had uh, mostly made uh, and to sharpen my toolbox, the, not, you know, the tools in my toolbox and, and become better. So really, you know, 2016, 2017, I came for the trading to make money. And then as I dug in over the years, I realized how absolutely important Bitcoin was and that, you know, cryptocurrencies could actually change the world and solve a lot of problems and became a much more passionate advocate for the space. Okay, when was that? When it became much more of an advocate because- I would say through 2018 and 19, but honestly, for a lot of us, even though we were here and we were involved, I think it was, you know, March, 2020, when everything crashed and sort of the macro environment changed. I think there was a grand awakening to the issues with central bank policy, with what was going on at the Fed money printing, infinite QE, stocks go up while Main Street suffers. And I think it was hard not to look at that and realize that there was some hypocrisy and that the, that the system was broken. And uh, we always knew the narrative that Bitcoin fixes that to some degree or can for individuals. And then we saw the Michael Saylors and the Teslas of the world start to gain exposure and, and really saw uh, the narrative come to light and even more than seeing the price appreciation i think it was to not be called crazy for the first time in three or four years all right uh, that so there's so that appealing. so now you're no longer fringe you're actually becoming mainstream i mean bitcoin absolutely became an asset class last year no question absolutely absolutely okay so so that's how you kind of this evolution if you will um and spokesperson and you know actively trading it i would assume you're more of a you know hold on for dear lifer but do you actively trade it? I don't want to assume. Now, uh, very little. In the okay. last year, since I sort of grappled with the importance of it, it became uh, a savings account for me. Like okay. I, I view Bitcoin itself, not the, not the rest of the market necessarily, as one of the most important investments of our generation. And, and, I, and I believe that you buy it, you put it in cold storage, and you leave it for your kids. That's my view on, on Bitcoin. But I've been trading the surrounding market, thousands and thousands of altcoins. Listen, I had 11,000 taxable transactions in crypto last year in, in 2020 that I'm still sorting through after uh, filing my extension. So um, I'm very, it was very, very actively trading. But in this past few months, you know, I'm a very big fan of being an investor first, always, even okay. at my most aggressive trading I'm not more than 20, 25, maybe 30% of my capital. Most of it, I'm still investing and I'm trading with a smaller percentage trying to you know, compound those investments. Okay, so wait a minute. So what's your percentage of investment in the, 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 the Bitcoin crypto investment space versus actively trading the 11,000 know, transactions? I mean, there's a huge, most people do the 80-20, right? Where it's 20% fun money, they would consider that the crypto money. <laughs> I like it. 20%. Okay, so I, I believe 70, 15, 15, right? 70% investments, 15% cash always. 
uh, and 15% um, for trading. And that 15% cash, not being cash on the side, being an active part of your yes, portfolio. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in, in crypto, that acts uniquely because when Bitcoin drops, if you have 15% or any percentage in cash or stable coins, the value of that versus your Bitcoin rises. So it actually hedges your Bitcoin losses, right? A lot of people, if, if you're thinking in Bitcoin, when you're actively trading in the crypto space and you're trading these altcoins to get more Bitcoin on a Bitcoin pair, then USD or USDC or USDT actually act like other coins when Bitcoin drops, the Bitcoin value does not drop as hard because you have these dollars in your portfolio. So I think it's very important to have that there to buy dips and also just to hedge against these uh, huge volatile movements that we've seen. So if your goal is gaining more Bitcoin and not more dollars, USD becomes very important. But listen, I always used to preach before 2020 that I was, you know, uh, that I was stocks, IRAs, real estate, the, 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 the normal conservative uh, path that most take a little bit of exposure to metals and 10% in crypto. And within that 10%, 70, 15, 15. Okay, now I never rebalanced, you know, in the last year. I've become very passionate. So now I'm well over 50% in crypto and perfectly comfortable with that. All right, so 50% in crypto, perfectly comfortable with that. That's that's the soundbite. Now, break it down. What percentage is in what? Okay, so if I let's just take my crypto portfolio as if it's my entire portfolio, right? And, yes, and talk exactly. about it there. I'm so not what, what is in my crypto portfolio? Yeah. Okay, so until very recently, it was about uh, half Bitcoin. Um, and then, so the 70% that I was holding as investments was primarily Bitcoin, a smaller amount of Ethereum, and then the leftovers of successful trades. So when I'm trading these smaller coins and they do these 50X, 100X yep. insanity you hear of, I keep 15 or 20% and I throw it into the investment side okay. as like what we like warrant. to call a, a yeah. moon bag. You know, yeah. it's a lottery ticket. I've already made my money well many times over, so I'm playing with the house's money and I just move it over there and don't think about it. So 20, 30 coins like that, that is just very small relative to the rest of my portfolio over there. On Ethereum's huge run, I was buying Ethereum like crazy. I've been buying Ethereum since $82 <laughs> um, and it you know, recently went to over 4,000. So it actually became a very significant, significant part of that, yeah. uh, of that, you know, probably, uh, so I was probably at that point, 60, 40 Bitcoin to Ethereum in the long-term holds at the peak. Okay. Um, with, so the 15, then I have 15% always at least in USDC. Now in 2017, that would be USD, but it was always painful because you wanted to get out of dollars, right? Who wants to hold dollars? Nobody. But now you can trade into USDC or USDT and park those stable coins on any number of platforms. I use Voyager primarily and earn 10% a year. So I'm earning 10% on my Bitcoin, my Ethereum, and my USDT while it's parked and while I'm actively trading it. It's insane and amazing <laughs> and it will not last forever, but uh, I will, I'll, I'll ride that. So, and then the other 15% is where I'm doing the fun money, just like you said. And listen, mm -hmm. when the market, you know, we all talk about risk management, don't risk more than 1% of your portfolio on a trade. I believe the key to risk management is actually knowing when to sit on your hands and when to really plow into the market. So we're going to talk about that because portfolio, you know, construction to, to a degree, which you're outlining, which is your personal philosophy and how you've done it is very helpful to others who are wondering how you've done it. But right. also talk about concentration right here, your 50%, um, your, your concentration of your portfolio. I have a client who said he's got 50% in Ethereum. And I'm like, 
I can't advise you on that. No, <laughs> so no, this can't. is a personal decision, right? I want to know, um, you know, your thoughts on that. But then also, to hedge or not to hedge. Well, and how to hedge depends on what you're hedging, right? So Let's talk about Ethereum, um, right? Uh, if I if we're hedging against uh, the dollar. Then we use crypto, but you're talking about within crypto. How do we hedge? Well, you can take a low. You can take a low leverage short on something. Obviously, not something that I particularly actively do at this point because I have no interest in shorting Bitcoin. But that's something I used to do. Take a very low leverage short against my spot holdings, just in case it dropped, and I would at least like, uh, you know, minimize the minimize the loss by by doing so. But at this point, I really, I mean, I have pretty strong conviction that it's going much higher. So I don't really particularly worry about that. As you said, I hold on for dear life. But at and, the same and, time, I can take a look at the peak to trough drawdowns in the crypto world, right? And they are significant from mm -hmm. 50 to you know 80% in, in the past few months. So hedging is not a bad idea, even no. for the, the, the zealots, you know, I'm- But I'm as selling. I said, I, I, you don't yeah, for do me, Yeah, for me, okay. I feel like that's the US, always having the USDC in the account is a, is a massive hedge. It's, it's a, it really is if your goal is to compound Bitcoin and not necessarily to compound dollars because you're not putting right. those to work, obviously, to make more dollars. So something that crossed my desk just recently, I don't I can't believe I didn't know about it because I'm a volatility trader. There's a volatility index on Bitcoin on Coinbase that you yeah. can now actively trade with options. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got yeah. excited. So because <laughs> I'm also an options trader. So right. um, that was extremely um, new. Again, it's wasn't my wheelhouse. I was just like, how do you hedge in this Bitcoin? Because the Bitcoin well, proxies are lovely shorts of late, but how to hedge. So that's why I wanted to ask. It's hard as an American, um, you know, because obviously um, we're limited on what leverage we can trade with and where we can trade with leverage. And most of the heavy leverage exchanges and futures are being trade on, traded on exchanges that are not uh, legally available to Americans. And I prefer to remain compliant, even though many do not. Um, cause you can do it. You just mm -hmm. shouldn't do it necessarily. Um, the, the trade there, there's been two trades this year if, in, in the Bitcoin space. And that's the way that they're offering yield, by the way, these are the institutional trades that, that, uh, individuals can take advantage. There was the GBTC premium, yep. um, which obviously is now negative at 20%. So that is long gone. And that's why you're seeing allegedly. BlockFi, you know, being who was kind of the lead lender, why they've had to diminish their rates to almost nothing on their Bitcoin lending, because I think they got slaughtered. They were, you know, eight to 10% of GBTC holdings was, was BlockFi. So that was free money for them, as long as there was a, a premium that that was trading on. A lot of people are taking advantage of that. I think that since that's disappeared, the cash and carry trade is really where people have been looking. And I'm actually curious to see how this flush is going to affect that. Um, because for many, many months now, you could buy spot Bitcoin and then go short the future. And as it decayed, it's basically free money because there's always been the expectation that Bitcoin's going to trade much higher. So you buy now, you take the August, you know, $75,000 future, obviously, as Got that it. and it's free money, you know, as, as long as uh, this doesn't happen, maybe. But, um, you know, so largely, I think those have been the trades. I haven't particularly, I have not been participating that much, like I said, because access. And as you said, honestly, I spend more of my time making content than trading at this point because no I'm just kidding. really, I'm but just really passionate about it. And, and I think that, um, 
But the people who aren't publishing, they're actually just quietly, you know, right. trading um, institution or retail. It was interesting to me because obviously one thing with this Bitcoin um, uh, fade and then fall was the IV was just high, high, high. It was a great time to sell, right? Mm -hmm. The volatility yeah. as a hedge. And so I'm like, okay, besides the futures market, where else? So basically I was curious if you use that as um, a vehicle as well. Again, volatility index, you can trade on Coinbase, options on it. It was, it was, it, it, it's a, it was a gorgeous, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's an incredible, that's an incredible tool and not one that I have utilized personally, but I mean, you know. Okay, so the futures market for <laughs> yeah. sure versus, yeah. you know, shorting the GBTC or Mara or Riot or the rest, which is also an option though for retail, but not. Yeah, um, you could have, you could have been, you could be shorting Coinbase from the day it launched and there was never a bad day to do it if you were holding for a couple of days. Yes, know, but so. the bounce that we had, the tremendous bounce yesterday, the Bitcoin, you know, 25% off the lows by midday when I was looking or 80% for, you know, for Ethereum, you didn't have any of that in the, the, the classic trust at right. all, right? The grayscale, yeah. it was like, it hit the 200 and it just sat there. <laughs> so there yep. was no, no bounce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's because, but there's a very specific reason for that. That's because the Bitcoin and Ethereum flushes were a hundred percent, or at least the tail end was a hundred percent leverage, right? So if you're getting so, the liquidations, if you're getting the liquidations in the in the Bitcoin and Ethereum derivative market, you're not going to see that reflected necessarily on the stock market or on Coinbase. So stock. we have to talk about that because I saw in the Market Ear uh, published a stat which was uh, seven hundred from I forget. I'm sure you saw it. Seven hundred seventy-five thousand accounts were. Uh, margin accounts were liquidated. It was 8.6 billion or something. But also those individuals, mostly or whatever. Uh, I don't know if they're what percentage was pro versus retail. Retail. They were they were locked out, so they couldn't even get in if they wanted to. So the Welcome restrictions. To okay. So what what do you tell? Because institutions aren't gonna aren't, aren't gonna deal with that kind of you know. And they're not locked out. They're no, not locked out. But that's Mickey Mouse, right? That's right. Mickey Mouse. So yeah. what is going to build confidence is that type of shenanigan being removed. So, right. so talk to us about that. Sure. Well, A, um, I would have said that it was unique to crypto until Robinhood was invented. Um, and we all know that uh, not you know, it's one thing to be locked out. It's another thing to have the buy button turned off and the sell button turned on, which is what happened for Robinhood. So I don't think that this is necessarily unique to crypto. And that was not unique to Robinhood that happened on E-Trade. And we saw exactly. it's exactly. a bit in Schwab. So that not, not to be in defense of Bitcoin, but I think we're seeing a lot of shenanigans this year since retail has plowed into trading. I think that's just the, the first point to make. Um, listen, I am buying Coinbase stock here, but I'm not using Coinbase. Um, I believe I believe it's an exceptionally important company. I believe that one day it could be one of the big you know, top five, 10 companies just because of their positioning in the space and the rise of crypto. Yeah. But I don't like being locked out when I want to get my orders. And that that's been their MO since uh, I started in 2016 and something they've really? never fixed. Okay. Now, listen, people accuse these platforms of locking you out when there's volatility so that they can counter trade you and blah, blah, blah. I don't think any of that's happening. Coinbase is regulated. They're not, they don't need that money. What's happening is that this is a new, this is a new space and they can't handle the volume. The size, I mean, bottom, yes. bottom line, they just, I mean, they, 
they don't have enough developers or enough experience or enough precedent for them to build systems yet that can accommodate this well, level you, of trading. You also have, I'm sure, the fidelities of the world saying on their first earnings you know, call from Coinbase, we have 56 million accounts. Well, guess what? That's going to create instant competition from the CEO. Yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. They're going oh, yeah. like, why weren't we doing this? But <laughs> so. if, you've been, if you've been here a while, you, you, and you're not trading with leverage, I should say, because when you're on those leverage positions, first of all, if you're getting liquidated, it means you didn't have a stop loss. And if you didn't have a stop loss, when you put in a leverage trade, you're a donkey and you shouldn't have been trading in the first place. So that's why we know it's retail, right? And I feel bad for people who get liquidated, but if you're trading with leverage and you don't have a stop loss in crypto and know that when there's volatility, you're gonna be locked out, because if you had your order, they're not skipping existing orders, right? If you have a limit order placed or a stop loss, it's filling. You might you might experience some slippage, I've been there. But okay. So, so yeah, if you're, if you're on a 25X leverage position and you need to manually close that when there's volatility, you've already lost. So, do you trade the, so talk to us about options in the Bitcoin crypto space, because for me, this is a no brainer on equities, I'm, you know, options on equities trader, it's defined risk. And, and there are lots of, you know, complicated things you can do, but I'm talking about if you're buying, it's defined risk. So right. talk, talk about the options market in Bitcoin and crypto, because that's one way that folks can limit their, their losses without having sure. to stop. I, you know, that. I mean, the, by, everyone talks about the CME uh, because, you know, that's where in the United States institutional traders have ex exposure to, to futures, but it's really a small. Even as it's grown, I think it's the, the, the volume relative to like Deribit, if you've ever heard of Deribit, which is not technically usable by Americans. It's a, it's a fraction. And also retail traders aren't trading on the CME because you don't have access. You need to go through a broker or you need to have a certain kind of account. So I think it's smoke and mirrors when we talk about CME expirations and those things. It's actually Deribit exp expirations and even to some degree, you know, um, Binance and, and BitMEX and, and such, although BitMEX has lost market share, I think, due to their legal issues. But um, so I think that those markets are pretty stable. You know, if you if I just don't I think that uh, unfortunately you talk about futures and when you talk about that in crypto, people are trading perpetual swaps. Right. So it's more of a casino. They're not. They're not using it. They're not using it in the same way that you are to manage yeah. risk. They're using yeah. it like a casino with fifty to hundred x leverage and just the buy and sell well, button, they like they normally would. <laughs> so yeah. maybe they need to be taught. Uh, absolutely, but so that's the issue, right? It, the the derivatives market in Bitcoin is primarily high leverage and a perpetual swap. So it's trading just like the order book you would see on a non leverage exchange: buy, sell, watching the lights flash by, and and yeah. So okay. if you've been in the market a while, you to answer your first question, which I never got to, you need to have your orders placed and established. I had, I was locked out of everything except for Binance.us, but I, a week ago, in case there was a flush, had just put spot bids down to 29,000 and I filled everything. I'm now way more uncomfortably long Bitcoin than, uh, uh, I expect, <laughs> than I expected than I expected to be two days ago. Those damn good till canceled orders, huh? They just all- I, But you know like, what's interesting like is that- Ooh, I like that. And then all of a sudden, oh, they all hit. <laughs> the two of the best, uh, I don't know how this one will end up, but the one of the best trades of my entire life was last year on March 12th, which was the day that crypto died and that, you know, 10 days before the market absolutely collapsed. Obviously we saw the cascading liquidations. 
it was eight o'clock at night. Crypto had gone from like Bitcoin gone from 9,000 to 6,000 or so bounced a little 6,300. I turned over to my wife. I was like, I'm throwing in some $4,000 bids just for fun. Like it's never getting there. There's no way this thing's dropping another after that move. It's not woke up in the morning. Price was 6,000, right? Same price as when I went to bed. I said, ah, okay, cool. Whatever. Took my coffee, got to my desk, looked at the chart, saw that it had gone to 3,800 and back and that I was up 50%, right? So uh, the, the best- the best to be lucky. The best trades uh, happen in your sleep sometimes if you're, yeah. if you're a spot trader and that's what happened for me yesterday, right? I filled all the way down to 30,000. Frankly, I was buying also at 46,000. So I'm not so saying I have, it was perfect. I, I had a European customer said he didn't have any issues buying at the low. So he wasn't locked out, but he was over there. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And if you, but if you were bid in advance, you filled. You know what I mean? And if you're trying to get in and, and market by, which is panic buying, just like panic selling, right? You're panic pretty much, buying. Pretty much. Um, that uh, you did. But you know what? The funny thing is, there's as many people I know who are happy that they were locked out because they were looking to panic sell at the bottom and couldn't get in to sell. Yeah, so. there's, there's that. But I still think, that, you know, it will still erode confidence until they they make better mousetrap. But we, we can't totally dis, uh, dismiss the macro. I need to go back to that a little bit because I know I understand your evolution and your, you know, you think quickly, you move quickly, and you also think on multiple time frames, right? Short, very short duration to with 11,000 transactions to the big picture. So let's a little bit step back because I got to play. I got to play devil's advocate as well, right? There are mm -hmm. lots who are not drinking the Kool Aid, so they see this tech wreck and they see it as a bit Bitcoin proxy with the hyper growth, you know, um, overvalued, uh, no revenue and some no earnings, no dividend tech plays getting crushed, right? Since since February, Bitcoin went along with it. So, and it's like each leg of the table, I talk about with Jonathan each Tuesday, we're kind of looking at the sector rotation. They were all getting knocked out. I'm talking about speculative sectors, whether it be cannabis, EV, SPACs, Bitcoin was the only one that hadn't been knocked out. So we were Welcome like, that's next, right? You're smart, you were smart. So, but but that's a, that's a job of looking at the sector rotation and the psychology of the market and basically money flows somewhere, growth, value. That's also my whole rotation gig. So I'm, I'm kind of curious for those um, who got in late, right? They, they traded it like a commodity or they traded it like the whole tech space in speculative fervor. They're hurting now. Yep. And they're also new to the, the whole market space since COVID in the past year. And they're underwater now. Um, not, not, I'm not going to assume, but I'm going to assume. <laughs> so what, what, what do you say to those folks? Because they didn't you know, come in as, as hodlers, they, they came in to make some alpha and it's not working out. Are they going to come um, back? Yeah. I, I mean, I believe so. I'm not a financial advisor and, and whatever, but I believe Bitcoin's going into the multiple, multiple hundred thousands with time. So if you're not leveraged and you're just sitting there in spot and you're, you're waiting, I think you can wait. Um, I definitely don't think you need to sell after a 55% drawdown because you feel bad. Right. Um, I think even at the very least, maybe this is it. Uh, I don't know, but you get a nice big dead cat bounce and you get another exit pump or whatever you want to call if this was truly going to be a winter again, which I do not believe. I, I just don't think, I think that um, uh, Sir John Templeton, the four most dangerous words, this time it's different, but I think this time it's different than uh, 2017. Um, 
because the infrastructure is better and we do have big money uh, invested or involved. But yeah, I would say just uh, chill, sit back, accept that it's going to take a little longer than, uh, than, than you thought and, and that it's all going to come back. I mean, I think we, I, I have no, no idea. I know, I you have no idea, but, but you're I think also we bottomed technical. yesterday. I think, I think you're, uh, okay, you think we'd bottomed, it was, it was the V shape that you were looking for. It got, um, those bids that were sitting there got filled, et cetera, et cetera. All right, so you don't think the new, the newbies coming in to the space that have been, uh, again, hurt by the tech wreck, and this has been a proxy of such, um, are going away. They're, they're gonna come back and, and um, I mean, be converted. If, if history is a guide, that, you know, I said it on Charles Payne the other day on Fox Business, and I that was two days ago, right before the bigger drop. And I was like, a 35, 45% retracement for Bitcoin. We just call that Tuesday, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and, and, and it's true, you know, uh, it's, it's aggressive, it's brutal, but if you've been here a while, you don't necessarily react to it and nothing underlying has fundamentally changed about the macro, right? You, you see it as a trade, obviously, which makes sense. And when you're talking about the rotation, but if you see it as a hedge, if you really believe that, you know, I don't, by the way, I don't believe the dollar is going to hyperinflate and that we're going to turn into like Weimar Republic or uh, Venezuela or something like that. But I do believe that, you know, the Fed will continue hey, to hey, act there, there, responsibly. There has to be two sides to every single trade. And I under, and my, my only point was, and I've said this publicly, I wouldn't wish, wish debasement of a currency on my worst enemy. No, <laughs> so, no right. And, and you, so the, the whole thesis, I understand, you know, debt to GDP, 130%. Where can we go from here? Down. <laughs> but yeah. I still um, have the 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 conviction that this can be cyclical but i'm not so sure it's secular so that's me i'm i'm that's just fair. looking at this as i love to trade this rotation and strength begets strength and bitcoin no question was trading like a commodity with the rest of the commodities last summer you know into its highs and then the character was in distribution mode you can you can see it on a chart and it was just a beautiful short Again, the, the proxies short Wy without Wyckoff trader. Wyckoff traders were definitely uh, foamy at the mouth. So the Coinbase IPO by the rumors, sell the news, whatever the competition, whatever you know, the supply like SPACs that were coming in fast and furiously, and then they peaked and then obviously turned very viciously. And I did two webinars, you know, kind of like spaced apart right before the top and then right at the top. And it was interesting because the whole thesis was the supply would actually, would the weight of the supply would actually cause a lot of this price uh, froth to come out of the market. And now they're trying to stabilize. And typically these things do just that. They stabilize before they can make higher highs. To me, this lower, this uh, tag that we had in Bitcoin, you think it's done. It won't be revisited. I think it'll get revisited. Uh, I think it can be revisited, but I don't think it'll go lower. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I, I'm not going to call a double bottom that, uh, you know, technically, if we had a double bottom here, I don't know what the swing high between them would be, but we'd have to break back above 43, 45, something like that, just to even talk about that. I certainly think it could push down again. But the, I'm telling you, the reason that it went down this time was the cascade of liquidations, not because there is an intention for that price. So we would need to see we would need to see funding go extremely positive, and for all those longs to pile back in to have the strength to squeeze them back down to that level again. So I think that um, 
if it was flushed, mm -hmm. if it was flushed at the level, we, but listen, we saw this, we saw 10 billion in, in liquidations from 60 to 50, right? So it's, and they piled back on, right? And the lower you get, the more the longs want to come back that in for a very, second feeding. That is true. That's very, very different. I remember it was a Saturday when, um, over the weekend, of course, is when most of the action happens, right? Oh, so, yeah. um, 13 Low volume. Yeah, 13 billion was wiped out, you know, a few months ago, and it never recovered from that. Um, but it didn't have anywhere near the bounce in cash session that we saw yesterday. So they kept longing. That's because that's because you flushed a certain amount of them, and all those people came back for more. Well, maybe they're out now. Maybe maybe they're out of gas, you know. And uh, and this is the first time that we're seeing the market net short. Like funding is negative on these perpetual yep. swaps right now, which we basically mm -hmm. haven't seen since last March. So, so that, this is this is great. You want a two-way market. I'm sorry, but I think that's healthy. <laughs> or, oh, I, I I agree. And it used you know it used to trade that way. It used to daily swap. You know when when Bitcoin was range bound for ever in 2019. You know when it was like kind of six thousand, ten thousand, eight thousand, whatever. Funding would flip on the daily on a daily hourly basis. 0.001 negative 0.001, and you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't see these huge moves because there was, there was not enough, you know, it, nobody was that offsides at any point. And, and this time, I mean, you know, it price is dropping and more longs are piling on and more longs are piling on. There's only one way that goes and it's, you know, Niagara Falls. Well, it's going to be very, very interesting now because we have um, a, a definitely uh, a strong market. No, we haven't been able to take it down on any news, right? Um, the Archegos of the world, it just doesn't matter, right? So they two billion to zero in two days, and it's still the market didn't even blink. So the Bitcoin was definitely weighing, um, or I should say, falling with the hyper growth tech. Again, this is to be determined if we revisit that low. But the point is, I'm looking at this going. There is clearly a correlation right now between the tech plays, whether it be the Arc, the Tesla, and Bitcoin. Um, and the whole sentiment in the market as well. What's safe, what isn't, um, how to hedge. Bonds aren't providing any. Volatility no. might have spiked 40% in three days, but otherwise it's neutered. Um, dollar, that certainly hasn't you know, uh, driven any safe haven status. We might have some <laughs> bounces. All of a sudden gold picks up as Bitcoin rolls over. There's clearly that inverse correlation, old gold, the new gold. Um, and you're never gonna, you're never ever gonna convince the old dogs of new tricks that are gold bugs to the core, uh, just like the Bitcoin yeah. bugs to the core. You, don't even bother. I bought some gold. <laughs> I bought gold this week. I so, bought gold this week. Okay, so, so chart so, looks great, you know, and I'm a technical trader, and the chart looks great. So you're, I, you're still gonna trade whatever moves. I got that, but your conviction on crypto is really what, um, you know, drove this conversation. Um, this this desire to have this conversation because how you're trading it, where you see levels um, matters. And then also, uh, you know, John has mentioned the, the, the earning capability of the, you know, sitting in crypto, um, like you just mentioned at the top of the hour. What about the tax implications? Let's talk about the negative side of how that impacts and kind of, I know it's more mechanical, but um, you yeah, mentioned... It, it's complicated and it's, complicated. it's, so, it's heavy handed, it's, frankly, people it's so when I came in in 2016, even through 2017, the overwhelming uh, view was tax free trading. Woo! 
And, right? yet, and like... yet if you convert, John pointed this out, you know, he's like, even if you convert, say, from Ether uh, coin, to, to, from Ether to Bitcoin, you are still in a taxable transaction. So a lot of people don't realize that. That's how I have 11. Okay, so to explain, I didn't take 11,000 trades. I have 11,000 taxable transactions. Because if I buy do if I buy Bitcoin with dollars, I trade Bitcoin into something else. Let's say I'm in the order book on Binance US and I want to buy some Ethereum with my Bitcoin and I place a limit order and I have 17 fills to fill that order because I'm trading with size. Well, I now have 17 taxable trades, not one, 17 taxable trades from Bitcoin to Ethereum. Now, if I go back into Bitcoin, I've now sold Ethereum and bought Bitcoin, right? It's not like dollars. Mm -hmm. So I sold my Bitcoin buying Ethereum 17 times and I go back and I've sold Ethereum. So I have a taxable transaction on whatever the gap is there. And I've bought Bitcoin and now have, you know, reset the clock obviously on the capital gains for that same Bitcoin, right? So if it took me a month, I'm now a month later on, on long-term cap gains or short-term cap gains if I want to ever, you know, sell that Bitcoin again. Um, and then when you go back to dollars, you're taxed again. So there were people, like I said, who didn't understand the tax implications and there was no clarity in 2017. I have friends who made, I'm going to put these in huge quotes if people are listening and not watching, made millions of dollars trading crypto, did not ever exit to dollars because they didn't understand that there was taxable transactions. There was a view at that time that it was dollars in, dollars out, like Forex, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever I do in the casino doesn't matter as long as I pay the taxes on the dollars that come out wrong. Bitcoin crashed right before tax time. And then they said, oh, I owe $600,000 in taxes on the profits that I made trading Bitcoin to altcoins and back. And I now have $400,000 in crypto. So they had to sell $400,000 in crypto, take the loss, come up with a gap of $300,000 because they never realized it. So what, how do you deal with that? The answer is every time you take a trade, you take 40%. For me, I say 40%. 40% to dollars or USDC, park it, and it never goes back into the market okay, because you're so, holding for the taxes. Okay. So do you think this had any impact whatsoever on our tax season? In other words, May 17th was tax day. They had to liquidate yeah. last week, um, you know, potentially. I'm just wondering if- Yes. If that, I, I think that uh, it's a narrative. I don't think it was a huge driver, but okay. we've had that narrative every single year. And Has it worked even, though? Uh, uh, and not always. It's always a rumor. Oh my gosh, tax day is coming. No, the thing no, is, but I mean, did it? Did the market pull down? I haven't tracked it from every year. Working. It has not pulled down every single year to this okay. level. And and frankly, I think that anyone who's trading with size in the United States understands by now and doesn't wait till tax day to liquidate. Right, especially but we're because not then talking, you're. We're not talking about folks of size necessarily, given the large number of very small accounts out there. Right. I don't think they're, I don't think that those drive enough uh, volume to crash the market on tax day personally, but yeah. I think it's an interesting narrative. Okay. So then, then, you know, talk about what you see next, like what is the, the, the next best thing, because that's obviously, um, and just answer a chat question. Yes. This will be on my YouTube channel under macro to micro power hour. I'll that'll get uploaded tonight. So, and the podcast also will go live on Apple and Audible and Spotify. So uh, talk about what you see next. What do you, what do you see as, you know, um, ADA, uh, like uh, maker, like name some that you really like right now. 
anything not called Doge or named after another dog. Oh my um, gosh. Okay. So you're not an Elon Musk fan. That <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, it, it, it's believe April. it or not, believe it or not, you can have a feeling on the coin without having a feeling on Elon Musk. Um, and, okay. and, and I will, and I, and I will tell you this, if I had somehow had the foresight to hold all of the Doge that I've collect had collected over the years between 2015 and 2021, which I never would have because it has no business being 50, 60, 70 cents. It was a joke that we traded. If you ever look back, by the way, to Doe's chart, it was literally created to pump 10X, go back to the bottom and do it again like three times a year. So if you were in crypto, you made so much money trading Doge as the funniest joke in the world and it was the easiest trade in the world. So I just did that again. And I was trading in Bitcoin. It went from 15 sats to 180 sats, 12X. I sold it. That was under a penny and it went 70 cents. If I had held my even my initial position in Doge, I would have cashed out for 40 or $50 million at the time, right? But why would I have ever held Doge? But yes, everybody I know in crypto at that point, at some point you had like 30 million Doge or 60 million Doge or, you know, because they were fractions of a penny. And so... Yes, it's been co-opted, but that does it by, by Elon Musk and, uh, and retail, but that doesn't give it any inherent value. It's inflationary. It okay, well, you're no being way too reasonable talking about the specifics of Doge, but what about this manipulation of, you know, mantra of Musk? <laughs> um, listen, what's your feel on that? I, I don't love it. I, I, I think, first of all, I don't think the size of your audience determines what you should be legally allowed to do in a free market. Like, I don't like it but I don't think that he's doing anything wrong. Like just because he's powerful doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to post a meme, right? And so um, I think that at the end of the day, unfortunately people don't understand what they're investing in ever, but I do think that people should bear some personal responsibility for their financial decisions and not blame eccentric eccentric billionaires who don't care about them for what's happening. Um, But yeah, I, I don't think he's manipulating the market. I think he's just has a bit of Asperger's and is probably okay. having fun memeing, <laughs> you know? And so I don't think it's like an evil okay. thing. I think the guy wakes up in the morning and is like, this is a hilarious meme. And he posts it to Twitter, just like we do, you know? It's and um, it's random, it's random inspiration. Yeah. So I, I don't think he's the uh, evil empire. And I don't think that he had almost anything to do with this Bitcoin crash either. I think it's a fun narrative that uh, people, people need someone to blame and they need a narrative when things go down. And the fact is people were over leveraged. They were overly exuberant. There was euphoria in the market and that always gets flushed. Well, I also think that, that he is a signal. So what, sure. how, loud it signal. Am- how, how loud it's amplified um, and the number of minions who follow it is your signal. I mean, there's no question. Sure. Of course. So, you know, to cut through the, the, I'm not saying it's being used as an excuse. I'm sure it is. I'm just saying yeah. for the sheer market manipulation of it, um, it wins him some, uh, you know, some followers, but also some enemies. He doesn't care, but I'm sure. S- SNL was, a, if you could chart Elon Musk, Saturday Night Live was his blow off top. Yep. <laughs> and that's, and that's a fact, in my opinion. And so anything that was with, and you can see that in Tesla, you can see that in uh, sentiment towards him. You can see that in Dogecoin's chart. You can see that in anything that Elon Musk was touching. Yeah. Well, it 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 is a sophisticated penny stock. <laughs> it, 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 it's not so sophisticated. I hate to tell you. No, I don't mean Dogecoin, um, but I'm talking yes. about a lot of these. Oh, Elon Musk. Yes. Yes. Stock. Yes. But yeah. So, but that said, there are 
and it, to back to your original question, there are a lot of trades that I think are going to be exceptional in, in, in this market. So what do you like? These... Go ahead. What do you like when you say exceptional for um, I... assuming the bottom is in, or at least basing and it will, you know, continue higher in this crypto space? Are there any particular, you know, points of the of the five thousand points that you're more geared, you know, laser sharp sure. focus? Yeah. So I, I I think it's important as the space matures to look more for utility and less for gambles. Okay. Doge is a gamble. Yep. So what what coins are actually have utility on platforms that are doing well and have a fundamental reason to grow? God forbid we talk about fundamentals in crypto. I know, but um. So for example, BNB the coin of Binance, right? Mm -hmm. So B Binance is the highest volume exchange in the world. Uh, BNB is their exchange token. There's utility because if you buy BNB, you get a discount on your trades. Um, and then as the DeFi craze has increased, uh, PancakeSwap, ridiculous name, I know. But if you know anything about DEXs, decentralized exchanges where people swap coins, you the reason that Ethereum has been so popular is because on most of those DEXs like Uniswap, which you've probably heard of, you need Ethereum for the transactions. You pay the gas fees. The transaction fees are paid in Ethereum. Well, if you do it on the Binance smart chain, BNB is burnt, so it becomes deflationary, and you use BNB, and the transactions are fractionally expensive as Ethereum. And there's a lot of chains doing that. So I like being invested in all of these chains because I don't know who the winner is going to be, but the one that does, including Ethereum, is going to 100,000, 2,000x. I believe that. So uh, AVAX is a token on uh, Aval Avalanche um, is the blockchain. Atom on Cosmos, I love. Uh, BNB on Binance Smart Chain. I love Polkadot because I think that the Polkadot ecosystem is incredible. So DOT is another coin. Link, Oracle coin. I mean, there's so many. And honestly, I think you can go small on a bunch of them and wait to see which lottery ticket cashes in. So you're not um, concentrated in any particular coin uh, outside of, you know, the, the core, if you will, that you were just talking about in regards I to- I believe you, I told you, I believe you invest in the, the few basket. big ones and you trade around them, you know, and you take, yeah, you, you form your own little DeFi index or whatever you want to call it, which is the thing we're seeing. Listen, so we saw the, the um, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, uh, decentralized finance, DeFi, which a lot of people believe is going to be, I mean, people- People who are nuts believe that it will replace the, le the legacy banking system. People who are reasonable think that it will maybe be a parallel uh, for people who don't, who are unbanked or underbanked, don't have access, or who just want to opt out of that system. Um, and this is where all this yield is coming from. At the very basic level, DeFi is yield, right? It's a way to, to get yield when you can't by po parking money in a uh, bank account at a, at a chase, you know. Um, and so it's all a, basically a big hunt for yield, yield farming, all this stuff. So we had a bubble last summer. It absolutely popped crazy wild west rug pulls. If you've ever heard of that, where like coins would literally go to zero in like five minutes, all the liquidity would be pulled. But now as with any bubble, you know, it's just in crypto things happen in 10 minutes that happen in 10 years in other markets. Um, the, the, the quality rises from the ashes and you start to see real innovation in programs. And so I, I think there's a race. Um, and a lot of these can win parallel in parallel, a lot of these different chains. So I like being invested in, in all of them. So like, I wow. need to all hold, of them. Like, There's a lot of them. 
Well, all the big names. So I, you know, like I, I, I like to hold BNB because I like to trade on Binance Smart Chain and I, it has utility. I need it to, so I'm going to load up on that. And then I'm compounding it when I'm trading because you trade on a BNB pair generally. AVAX, like I said, I think, oh, Solana. I don't know if you're familiar with Solana. Sol, that's the next one where everything's going to be launching on the Solana blockchain. You, it's been mooning already. It's not like there's any secret here, mm -hmm. but these are the coins that I think are just really, really exciting. Yep. All right. Some look better to me than others, but. <laughs> well, All right. listen, listen to look. And I, and I've been saying this for two days, like it's fun to look at charts, but I think we need like a week or a month to revisit all the charts once we see where the dust settles now, because right now all you have are 50% candles with like wicks, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I, I think that the, I think all of the charts have somewhat been reset in my mind in the crypto space. And now you, 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 you kind of got to sit on the sideline. If you're investing Different. and you had your bids in yesterday that you like, like I did with Bitcoin, you caught, you're up 50% on almost everything that you bought, but that doesn't mean you buy today. You, that was it. You, that was the chance, you know, like. So, it, Robert is asking a question on here and I didn't even know this. Are you buying a crypto company? Am I buying a crypto company? Yeah. He says, uh, I wish. No, yeah. no, All right. All I, right. I, I'm in I, I mean, I'm invested in quite a, quite, quite a few. Um, okay. Yes, and yes, I'm that, but you're not, you're not. No. Okay. Got no, it. I'm invested in uh, one of the ETFs that's uh, up for that. That's application is being reviewed by the SEC, Valkyrie. But beyond that, no. And that's and, not uh, a crypto company. And um, do you Voyager, for example, do you buy that stock for investment purposes as a way or coin the, as a way to have exposure? I mean, you're already already exposed. But the I miss mean, of this, I, 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 it almost hurts when people bring that up because it's I, I view that as my miss of the century. Um, I've been, and I've done exceptionally well on Voyager. That is where I primarily trade. Um, since the day they opened, I know Steve Ehrlich, who was the C one of the CEOs of E-Trade. I just love them. I just love them, you know? And so I support them. Um, but I didn't buy the stock. I bought the coin, which has done exceptionally well. And I hold that for, uh, and that has utility. The utility of the VGX token is that it gives you a 1% boost in your interest on your holdings on, uh, on Voyager. But I didn't buy the stock. It was OTC, it was in Canada, it was just kind of didn't buy it. And it's outperformed everything in the crypto space. Tens wow. of thousands of percent. And John Nigerian likes to poke at me for it when we talk because he bought the stock and he's invested in Voyager as well. But I mean, it, I, I, I can't remember, but 19,000%, you know, like from nine cents to 30 something, I mean, just crazy. So no, I'm not invested in the stock, but I'm going to start looking now. I haven't even looked, but it might have dumped. It might have uh, been a baby with the bathwater here, and so maybe I'll uh, take a look at it now. Well, fascinating. And any any last, I guess, um, cautionary kind of tales because it, we still have to manage risk, and obviously you are tightly in. in in tune with the market, both publishing it and training it, trading it. But there are a lot of folks that are new into this space that have been. Um, trying to figure out how to kind of navigate where to get good information, what platforms, that kind of basic stuff. What do you use? I, I saw TradingView, obviously, for charting. I use stock charts. They actually have a nice list, um, and I can, you know, do my own little analysis and intermarket stuff on it. What do you use for mm -hmm. charting versus trading? Yeah, I use TradingView. Um, and uh, funny, when I was trading Forex, I used to actually trade uh, Forex through TradingView, you know, through the integ exchange integrations. You can place yep. your orders on TradingView. I don't do that in crypto. Um, 
I, I primarily use Voyager and Binance.us now. Listen, I was on the main Binance for years and then finally they really gave Americans the boot and I took my uh, cue to not be, um, you know, off limits. And I, I and there were, uh, you know, derivatives exchanges that I used to touch in the Wild West days. But now it's, you know, if you want to trade derivatives, you got to go cracking, but I don't even do it anymore. I believe this market's going so high that I don't want to be the dummy who loses my money trading with leverage. Um, I just don't think you need it in a market that's volatile. That's what I should say. Leverage has its okay. place in for in forex. You need leverage, right? Like the moves are fractional, so of course you have to be you have to be leveraged to trade in forex. And may and it's a, and it can be a great hedge if you understand options. But to be using a hundred x leverage in Bitcoin, where the implied volatility on any given day is five or six percent, you're getting liquidated in less than a one percent move. It's just dumb, right? And it's just gambling. So I chart on TradingView. Um, I get my information all over the place. We still don't really have like a Bloomberg terminal for crypto, although a lot of people have talked about developing something like that. Um, honestly, I still think the market is so nascent that uh, the fact that I have as large of a Twitter account as I do, I can send uh, purposely triggering tweets to get gain an idea of sentiment. Yes, oh, um, absolutely. Which seems crazy, but like the more salt and anger or euphoria I receive in something that I send for kind of a specific reason, I think I get a very good gauge. Or I just throw up a poll. You know, listen, Bitcoin was at 45. Is Bitcoin going to 50 or 40 first? Well, if 80% say 50, I know that I need to short, right? And we're going to 40. So <laughs> um, it's just the, the nature of the market is there's not much wisdom in this crowd, you know, when you, when you get everyone together. Um, but those are really, you know, Voyager, I, I love, I, I think for leverage trading, Femex is the best, but not uh, available necessarily to Americans, P-H-E-M-E-X, and uh, who I've worked with for years. Um, and then Binance US, and Binance US did not go down while I was trading yesterday. I was able to get in market orders there as well. So that was pretty impressive, I got to say. Um, and, uh, you know, I follow all the main publications, the Coin Telegraphs and the Coin Desks and the Block. Um, but honestly, you know, I have my own team. So I'm writing a newsletter every single day, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's a good it's read. Pretty, it's pretty heavy. You know, some days it's, it's a lot. And so, you know, I have an assistant who's gathering news, sends me, you know, six stories, says, you know, and I pick three. And so I, I just think I have just because um, I'm so on top of the market that, you know, I, I'm getting access to at least the things that are happening pretty quickly. I think so too. I follow the blog. So thank you for doing that work. It is, it is definitely a passion. It keeps you in the game, but at some point I hope it gets a little break this summer. <laughs> My gosh, Wait. we were just talking about that. Oh, it's now time. I've been live streaming three times a week and making exactly. videos every day. I put out two podcasts a week and writing that five days a week. So it's, yeah. it's yeah. time for That's a little how break. I Retire. I, 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 I accidentally retired from uh, full-time trading, you know? <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, though. Well, thank you so Fun. much. I mean, you have gotten really, um, we didn't have to dig into the, you know, the, the big song and dance of why you're excited about it, but I love the, the detailed mechanisms of how you literally do what you do. I think that adds a lot of value to folks because um, they, can, they can go through their own little journey, if you will, of discovery. And I think it is a personal journey, but yeah, there are, but, but your, your detailed um, views on how and what and where, thank you very much for sharing that. And of course the roadmap course. higher, we'll see if we get another retest of that low though. <laughs>
wouldn't there be no surprises double bottoms are a thing for a reason right absolutely um, i think you probably bid it again <laughs> i am definitely going to just uh, re-emphasize afterward this will be a podcast available apple audible spotify and also on my um youtube channel of duke trading on this playlist down here have a look when you're ready i thank you so much for joining scott and next week for those interested i have a fabulous trading psychology focus which is going to be with denise Scholl. she is um someone who the, she's the awesome she's awesome and also the character you know for billions um, wendy rhodes wendy rhodes but she is um on my my women in trading and finance series because i really love to kind of elevate um not only the